0: Hello everyone, my name is Patrick Patton and I am your host on Are We Grown Ups Yet? This is the podcast where I'm asking creative professionals how they built careers in unconventional fields to make a living doing the things that they love. And I'm doing that to inspire and motivate you to do the same. In this episode, I'm speaking with my friend and fellow photographer, Luke Wooden. He's had a really amazing career in the Los Angeles area doing fashion photography and commercial photography, uh, as well as some sports photography. I'm not going to get into it any more than that, because he's going to get into it right now. On with the interview. This is what we used to dream about when we were still just kids. Everything was magical. Do you have any role models that you look up to still?
1: Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, there's a ton of people that I think are really, really great. And I look at their work and I say, like, oh, that's awesome. Or that has good taste. Or, or like, oh, my gosh, like, I would like to be shooting, at, you know, that long. There's a guy named Michael Jensen. He's super famous. And uh, I mean, he's been doing covers for 35 years. That's awesome. So I think things like that are super inspiring. I really like Carlos Sorau. He does, I think, some of the best sports work right now. And he does a combination of videos and photos, always at the same time, which is what I do too. And I always uh, have been super impressed with Carlos, and he's such a like a cool guy. Um, there's a lot of really awesome editorial photographers out there too. Did you ever assist when you were learning? Yeah, I, I assisted, but I never assisted anybody who shot sports or fashion. So all of that stuff is more or less uh, just like me kind of figuring stuff out or figuring out what my style is, experimenting. But I assisted a lot of architecture photographers. So I started working with Julius Schulman when I was really, really young. Uh, he was about 97 at the time I started working for him, and I did some assisting for him, and then I helped put together a couple of shoots, I produced a couple of shoots for them, um, worked with Tim Street Porter and Art Gray, some of these you know, John Linden, some of these bigger LA architecture guys. And I was just doing that just to, you know, make money. And I was interested in it, and I really like architecture and I really like design. Um, So it wasn't boring and we're always doing lighting and we're traveling to really cool houses. So I thought that was really interesting. And I I think it really helped me learn how to shoot spaces. And like, you know, if you put a model in a space and how you are going to light a room or, you know, how are you going to make it look natural, things like that. So I think it definitely helped me in in a way, but it wasn't what I was interested in doing it. Every time I would shoot it, I'd be really frustrated and I could never get the room straight or I could never get it perfect um, the way I thought it should be. And I just, I would just get I remember I would be yelling at all my assistants when I do these jobs and I was like, okay, this sucks. Um, but I never really got, I really actually sort of in some ways regret not working with someone who I really respected as a fashion or sports photographer. But again, like at that time, I didn't really even know that was a, a mm-hmm. job. I was shooting portraits and, you know, like that on the side so i'd be assisting architecture in the in the day for a job and i'd maybe go try to do a headshot for a band or a portrait of a friend or i'd go shoot a girl and then one day uh, a really good friend of mine her name is lauren she said hey i need to shoot a lookbook for this fashion line i'm doing I, i made some belts i made some dresses for some celebrities for desperate housewives and i have these two models and we have this house in brentwood and i would love for you to shoot it and at the time you know, this is when film, We were everyone was still shooting on film. I borrowed a Hasselblad from my girlfriend at the time. And we went and just shot in this backyard in Brentwood. And that was her first lookbook. And that was my first fashion shoot. And actually, uh, her and I just did a shoot together yesterday. So we, we shot for a brand called
0: LNA Clothing. And I mean, we've been working together for like 15 years. So did that first shoot that you did in your backyard, did that go anywhere i mean did you just go to their website or i don't even think this i don't even think she had a website at the time this
1: is when you would make like a like a natural physical lookbook for buyers and so i think we printed a lookbook of it and then we gave it to some buyers and some hmm. publicists and things like that and she you know was selling dresses and belts so i mean yeah i think i have prints around here somewhere of that actual shoot uh, it was amazing we did these big huge crazy wigs and you know stuff that was maybe cool 15 years ago
0: so obviously, a lot of photography is relationships, and uh, that's you know the start of a long relationship, fifteen years. Yeah, how did that? How did you utilize that? And how could somebody, if they have an opportunity like that, that's just really a small time, brand new? How can somebody take that and make the best of it to build a career on?
1: I mean, what you really want to do is to take out that the best three or five photos from that shoot, and then just show them to whomever you can. And and if anybody says, hey you know, oh, you're a photographer, can you show me some of your work? Then you show them a couple of those photos. And I think editing your photos down is really important. And that's the hardest thing when you're young is because you don't have a huge portfolio. But I think it's better to have like 15 incredible shots in your website than like 45 mediocre shots. I think just show your best stuff. And and then every year you're gonna just keep building it, you're gonna take some stuff out, you're gonna put some stuff in. Editing is super tight and it's also super difficult. Even me, I know there's things on my website I should take off. Um, but I'm emotionally connected to them for some reason, or I feel like, oh, if someone wants to hire me for that, it should be in there. You Mm -hmm. just have to, you just have to curate well.
0: Do you have somebody else curate for you or, or do you bounce your, your portfolio off of somebody else or do you do it all yourself?
1: Yeah. My wife and I have a pretty close working relationship. So I always ask her pretty much about everything that would go on my website or what should I take off or, or she'll say, oh, these are the selects, you know, this shoot, these images are the best and sometimes i'll be like no that that's just a bad photo for me like photography technical wise so i'll say no that's not going to make it right because you want something to be also a good photo and but sometimes a really cool image that's maybe not shot well but that's just inspiring and interesting uh, could also end up in there there's my wife now <laughs> penny
0: hey where crystal are you <laughs>
1: Yeah, you, you you It's really important to have someone that you trust bounce ideas off of, mm-hmm. and you and you can if you have a strong point of view and you go no, this is the cru- this is, I, you can do that too. I mean, if you if you have the confidence um, of your own abilities or you really have a, a a point of view or a perspective that you're trying to tell, then maybe you're the best person in, to articulate that. But I think it's good to have someone to bounce ideas off of, mm-hmm. and yeah, that could be I your do friends the same with or my some, wife too. Absolutely, I
0: mean, and. Women, we see, slightly, women see things that we don't. Right? We have slightly different points of view. At the same time, I really respect her creative eye. So her opinion of a photo or of my portfolio is super, super important. And like 90% of the time, I'm doing what she says because I trust her, even yeah. if I don't quite believe it. But then there's definitely times where she wants me to take a photo of And I'm like, you just don't see what's beautiful about this photo. Huh? So you also have to stick to your guns, too, if you see, you know, if you because you have a point of view as a photographer. Yeah. Now, you were saying you want to show these photos to anyone you can. Can you be more specific? Because, I mean, you could just post them on Instagram, show your grandma and everybody else in your world, but that's not going to get you very far.
1: Yeah, and, and a lot of times, I mean, that's the, the, one, the one trick, the one sort of invisible thing about becoming, let's say, a, a big working photographer is that. How do you show people? How do you gain their trust? How do you get the meeting? How do you get the email How do you get the intro? How do you get the connection to get another job? And especially when, like, let's say, a creative director is getting emails from tons of different people and tons of different portfolios, and and they they already have their people, right? They have people they trust. They have people they work with for years and years. How do you get in there? And that is sort of the magic invisible um, question. And I think everybody that's a working photographer is battling with that. So I, there isn't really a roadmap for that either, and that's I mean, always I'm, changing too. On, yeah, and you'll—I spent years and years trying to get in with somebody, and they work at this company, and you finally get in with them, and then they switch jobs. Mm-hmm. So I, it's like a never-ending battle to try to gain someone's trust and say, like, hey, you know, I'm gonna we're, this is gonna be good. right? we're gonna do a good shoot, and you can trust me because also clients are spending big money. If you're gonna do a big photo shoot, the clients are not only risking their time they're risking money and they're also saying like the you know the productivity of my business is in your hands because photography is such an integrated part of of business and fashion now and we're literally just a puzzle piece of the marketing machine but we're such a big part of it a really big beautiful great photo shoot can do wonders for a client it ends up equaling money and so what you're there to do is to move the needle you're there to. Take such incredible photos or tell such an amazing story for a client that they end up selling seven percent more next season, and they want to keep building on that. So how do you keep pushing it? So you're, it's, it's super important to also realize that we're operating a business, and so companies and clients are taking a risk, you know, working with you for the first time. So you have to be, you know, like you're saying, you have to go all in. You have to make sure you can do
0: everything you possibly can to help them. Do you feel like there are any key factors or key moments in, you know, your road, basically a roadmap from that first shoot in Lauren, Lauren's backyard yep. to, you know, shooting for Nike?
1: Yeah. I mean, there, I, I think there are always, you can always trace it backwards and say, oh, this this one time meeting that one person led to this. And that does happen. You always, it, a lot of times the plans that you make and the effort that you you know, you put into something, and doesn't necessarily come to fruition. And it's the thing that just kind of like accidentally, magically happens intrinsically out of doing that, that ends up being more important. But I remember meeting um, a girl named Kristen and I was just shooting her for a little uh, online magazine. And they said, hey, will you go photograph this creative director at Nike? And I said, yeah, that, that that would be cool and uh, i ended up shooting pictures with her and she was like her and i just hit it off and she's like oh she liked my energy and she's a very eccentric high energy person she was like oh yeah like you're a genius like i'm you know i'm gonna get you in at nike and we're gonna do all these shoots and, and of course you're like you know awesome that'd be great and then also but you're also like sure you know mm-hmm. you kind of roll your eyes like sure you are but then she brought me up to nike a couple times and we did some shoots and i ended up working with a bunch of different other people and you know Uh, I flew with my brother up there he's my digital tech and we just you know did the best we could to make everything look incredible and it was really fun and I love Nike because they're from my hometown
0: I drink the (laughs) Kool-Aid so with this podcast I kind of wanted to interview there's plenty of um, podcasts that are interviewing photographers and models I wanted to interview some people that people never hear of like digital techs sure yeah brilliant for us so, I definitely want to try to get Derek on. I, I didn't want to do like back to back episodes though. Like, brothers. Here's, Luke, here's Derek. That could be kind of cool though, brothers. But at some point, what's, what's I do my experience to reach out working to? with him and what's his experience working and with then me? And then we can talk about you. <laughs> yeah, I'm
1: sure Derek has some stories. He's seen the best
0: and the worst. Were there times uh, during your ascension when, <laughs> when you felt like you were just done? You're going to give up. I'm not, I'm not good enough. I'm sick of this. I'm tired of this. Anything like that, or you doubt yourself?
1: No, I don't think I ever thought about giving up. But definitely, everybody gets into a, into a rut, or they sort of have a negative mindset. For me, it's always it's the things that you can't control, and you know the the what if. I think a lot of times, you know, uh, if you're working for months and months straight, you don't think about it. You're just busy. You're in the zone. You have. You know, you know, you're where where you got to be and when you got to be there. You got your crew, you have challenges set in front of you. And then I think once, you know, things, if things slow down for a week or two, then you start kind of getting a little antsy. And I think sometimes that can be channeled either positively or negatively. And I think if my brain isn't used for solving problems, it could be used for creating problems. And so I think it's super important to, you know, even when you're not shooting, to be working on updating your portfolio, sending out emails. Uh, doing personal projects, uh, have a hobby, spend some time with your wife, spend some time with your dogs. Um, I think if you become completely obsessed um, by this, it could be good for your career, but not necessarily good for your life. And I think, you know, success is a balance of all of those things. I think it's important to have perspective. And also, I mean, every once in a while, it's really good to have just an easy little studio shoot, or you just you know, shooting a couple looks on a seamless or shooting in, in on a psych or building a little thing and doing a portrait. Because if you always are in the mountains, in the snow, just getting your ass kicked, you know, you're going to get tired. And you, know, you have to wake up at the crack of dawn to shoot on location. The studio, it doesn't really matter. You can have a call time of 9 a.m. So I think, you know, mixing in some easy jobs and with those hard ones is really good for longevity
0: and keeping yourself interested and keeping yourself healthy Let's talk about, you just mentioned perspective. Let's talk about patience and consistency.
1: There's a famous saying, people aren't paying you to be good, they're paying you to be consistent. And I think they're paying you to be good and consistent. And I think if they're going to put you into an environment and they say, okay, we need to get these shots, they know you're the guy that's going to get it done. Not sometimes, but all the time.
0: I feel if you're shooting all the time, you're hopefully getting consistently better.
1: Yeah, I think I think weirdly enough, and, and it 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 feels like you're not maybe sometimes, but I think almost every shoot you're getting a you you should be getting a little better and you should be refining the process a little bit, trying new things, you know, learning also not, not only that, over the course of time you end up curating your team a lot better. The it's so important to have a team of people that you work with that you trust, that you respect, and they know what they're doing. If you work with professionals, you will be more of a professional. And I think, not to say that you don't need to know what you're doing, if you get stuck with some guys who are like, they don't really know, you need to be able to direct traffic and and still get it done. But it's awesome to have people who are super, super talented that
0: can bring something to the table and know what they're doing. So how does that work for somebody who doesn't have a budget?
1: That is tricky, and what you really want to do, uh, if you have zero budget, um, then Obviously, you're probably going to be doing it by yourself or getting a friend or begging a favor. Um, I always I always think as soon as you get some budgets, you should be allotting it to creating a good production. So even if you make 10% less and you take a little bit of that money and put it towards making better photos, having a better crew, putting it in a little bit into retouching, all that stuff is going to make your work better, which is going to make you able to do bigger and better projects, and you're going to learn more. I mean, I, I was having a conversation with this about Carlos. He has he, you know he has some big budget productions where they're building tons and tons of sets, and he's like every single extra dollar that we have in production, I put it to camera. He's like, "I want everything to look incredible." And you can tell by his work, like he's cutting he's cutting no corners to try to make his work look better. It's all about the work to him. And then his work looks incredible. And then when you hire him, you're going to get incredible work. And that's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. You want someone who actually wants to make the work better. Now, if you're there just to get a day rate and it's some job, no one's ever going to see the light of day. And you know, it, the client is uh, is grumpy, and, and you don't really care to be there. Then maybe you're not putting, you're not going all in. But I think if you get an opportunity to do something that you really like to do or want to do, that's when you should probably put a little bit of skin in the game. Um, and then at a certain point, you know, you're going to be able to get the budgets that you want and and the schedule you want, the team that you want, and, and that will sort of be a self-fulfilling prophecy. But at first, I think you should be trying to invest some of your assets and time and resources into making the productions as good as possible.
0: Mm-hmm. And if you're at that point where you're ready to get a crew, you've probably been used to doing that anyway. I mean, I know for me, I was you know driving to LA doing test shoots all the time for absolutely nothing, yep. just to build a portfolio, yep. make connections. So... When you get, you know, now I'm to the point where people are paying me a little bit. It's not, you know, I'm still growing, but I definitely put, you know, I'm used to that. I've, I've got that mentality of, Absolutely. I'm building something here. That, that's how you're going to build over consistency. time. And so I definitely put whatever I can. And, you know, you might still be working for free, even though you're getting paid. Absolutely but that's just, you got to be okay with that.
1: And when the goal is obviously that you get paid and get to have the resources to get some things done eventually, you know, like Mm -hmm. that, that's when you start to, you know, become a professional. Yeah, like, I'm getting paid. I'm making a little bit of money. Um, and I'm still able to do the productions at the level that I want to do them at. And I think that's awesome. And also, you know, crew, you're going to talk with your buddies and say, Oh, Hey, who should I hire? I'd say way better to have one guy who you really trust, who really knows what's going on. than like eight, you know, guys
0: who don't know what's going on you're you're gonna be a disaster do you feel like social media factors into growing as a photographer
1: it does for a lot of people yeah
0: i know that wasn't a thing when you were starting out yeah
1: it's not for every it's not for everybody uh the catalyst for growth but there are a lot of people who have done tons and tons of test shoots and those test shoots have made their instagrams like gigantic and then of course they start getting recognition and people hire them that definitely happens when I started out it was much more you needed to have the relationship, they needed to know who you were. Um but also you know having a website or a portfolio that you'd send around. I mean photographers even you know 10 years ago would send printed books out to Do you clients. have a book? I do. I have a printed book. So when I do a meeting I have a uh, a printed portfolio book and then uh, I'll leave prints behind with my name on it and I bring an iPad Pro to show them some of my video work. But I like the printed book just because it makes your photography look so much better. It's definitely more expensive. You definitely want to be at the point where you can figure out a way to update it and also keep it, keep it fresh and current but still be making prints. So it's not for everybody, but once you get to a certain level where you're trying to re- go to the next level, get the attention of an art director, get the attention of a creative director that they're used to seeing everybody bring in their work on an iPad, I think the book helps a little bit it definitely looks prettier and it elevates your work. And I think that's pretty much the
0: point. But it sounds like you might not recommend that at first. Maybe an iPad's good enough.
1: I definitely th- think an iPad is good if someone says, hey, I want to hire you for this like job and I got like 500 bucks and you go and say, hey, here's my, you know, here's my iPad. And they say, oh, wow, yeah, you have some good shots. It's totally adequate for some people. But I think when you get to a professional environment where you're now competing with other people who have incredible work, you want any single advantage to make your work shine a little bit more. Talk plus, about. plus, I also like, I mean, printing is part of the art, I, which I just love. I love making prints. I have a printer here in my office, and um, I think it's really cool. My friend, he's a photographer, and he said, look, you go into a meeting at an agency, and you show them your iPad, and they're not going to tell you to hit the road, but you probably aren't going to, like, wowser them either. Mm-hmm. And So when you bust out a book, they're, they'll definitely look through it. They're going to look through it a little bit closer, and they're going to look. They're going to spend more time looking through it than an iPad. They'll just be, you know
0: for somebody who's brand new they have no connections and they're looking to make a connection with an agency how would you recommend somebody approaches that
1: i think there's a good balance between being like you know like you're saying consistent and persistent and annoying i think you want to sort of ride that line where you just check in send them an email hey here's some new work hey here's a new blog i was just on hey here's a little you know here's a new video i just made uh, and I think if you're doing cool projects that are in the sort of level that they're at, they'll at least pay attention. Mm-hmm. And maybe that one image goes like, oh wow, like this is exactly what I want to do for this project. And a lot of times creative directors, especially at big agencies, are really looking for something very specific. And sometimes they look at your work and go, wow, that's great, but that has nothing to do with what I'm doing. So a lot of it's like lightning striking. You got to hit it at the right place at the right time. They'll say, Oh, you're really good at shooting, you know, houses, but are you really good at shooting condos? And you're like, yeah, that's the same thing. But in their mind, you know what I mean? It's different. So you really, sometimes it's overly specific and you just you send the right images at the right time. Sometimes you have a friend who makes an introduction and that really goes a long way. The introduction helps, I think, more than anything. Where do you find inspiration? I don't know. I think I, I sort of always have a bunch of ideas kind of going around in my head. But I definitely like seeing some people's work and I go, wow, that's really cool. And The color or something like that. I also... I really like working with clients that have a sense of what it is that they really want to do. I love the idea of a client saying, this is my dream project. Like this is what we ultimately want to do. Like, can you do that? Can you make the photos look like that? And it's like, yes, I really like doing that. Um, Getting inspired by challenges. Maybe something I've never done before. Someone goes, oh, I'd really like to figure out how to do this. And it's like, oh yeah, we can figure that out. I think that sort of inspires me. I mean, I'm inspired by films and fashion and, music and art, but I think the, I think the inspiration comes from the challenge.
0: What does your career look like 10 years from now?
1: Hmm, juicy.
0: (laughs) I don't know, I mean, I think what you want to do is just keep
1: working with bigger and and better clients, doing more challenging productions and, and keeping busy. I would love to shoot, you know, eight to 10 months a year straight and take three months off would be awesome. Is there anywhere you haven't shot that you want to shoot? I really want to shoot in Bolivia and the salt flats. And I really want to go to Africa. I think that would be super incredible. I would really love to do something like street style in Tokyo. Yeah. That city is so cool looking and it's so much incredible energy. And you put yourself um, in the streets there and there's like so much random stuff happening that you'll get a bunch of those happy accidents. And especially at night, the city looks so cool and mm-hmm. looks, you know, just as cool. And you said Tokyo,
0: I just pictured it at night.
1: Absolutely, yeah. City of lights. But also in Tokyo, there's such vast diversity. There's like old temples with gigantic trees that are a thousand years old that look incredibly beautiful and peaceful. And there's also like super cities with skylines that go on forever. And I think
0: that extreme is really interesting. I really want to go shoot in one of those, what are they called? Um... They're basically like caverns in the ocean.
1: Inter- oh, interesting.
0: Do you know, gosh, what is the name of it? It starts with a C, and I'm going to think of it after this podcast is over. <laughs> um, I always have a hard time remembering what it's called because it's not an American word. <laughs> it's like, c- 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 oh, com-
1: cenotes. Cenotes. Oh, you
0: don't, so I'm I'm going to go shoot in a cenote in Mexico. I'm a
1: de facto cenote expert. I've been out to Tulum a bunch of times, and we've done some productions down there. And I end up being like the de facto tour guide for cenotes. Oh, yeah. And going to like Cenotes Dos Ojos is like super incredible. Oh,
0: man. And there's one I called Cenotes Jaguar. Give me a tour.
1: <laughs> Some of them are like, you know, in the middle of a jungle and you're just surrounded by trees and you look down and it's like incredible caves and there's people scuba diving like way below you. Some are these outdoor cenotes that are just open and floating and you have these giant lily pads and it looks like Fern Gully. It's like absolutely amazing. Oh, man. But, you know, most of the cenotes you can go to for like $5. And some of them are underground, like you hike in a deep. Can you shoot there? Have you ever shot in one? I have not shot in a a cenote. Some of them are pitch black, and they're, you know, the only reason you can see is you either wear a head lantern or they've done some lighting under the water and things like that, or they give tours. And some are above ground. But yeah, they would, I mean, the cool thing about Mexico is, I mean, everything is possible if you have a little bit of cash. You can. There's usually like two or three people like wa- wa- watching the entrance of a cenote, mm-hmm. and depending on how big the cenote is or how popular it is, that's how much it costs to get in. I'm sure if you bring you know a few bucks cash and say, "Hey, I want to shoot here," they'll let you. I had a client one time; she was kind of scared being in the cenote, so she's like, "I'm gonna, I'm getting out of this." She jumps into the side of the jungle, and and there's this giant red pit viper right there, and she starts screaming, ah! you know, jumps back in the water. <laughs> The tour guide was like, yeah, don't go in the jungle.
0: <laughs> uh, speaking of animals, I see Twiggy over there lounging. Hemingway and Twiggy.
1: My wife, Crystal, named Hemingway. She was reading um, a book about Hemingway's wife mm. that was really, really interesting, talking about living with Hemingway. And I'm an avid reader, and I've read everything Hemingway's ever done. So when she said, hey, I want to name him Hemingway, and he kind of looks like a scoundrel and a philander and a womanizer, so... The name did fit. So I was like, yeah, totally, that's totally cute. And then when we got Twiggy, I, I think my wife was trying to name her some really stupid name. And I was like, no, this is Twiggy. Twiggy looked so rough. Um, she was totally bald and covered in infections, and her eyes were all kind of ghosted over. So she was as skinny as a twig. And then Twiggy is also, uh, you know, sort of Andy Warhol's muse, the famous supermodel. And I thought it was kind of ironic that she was like so rough, but we were naming her the name of the supermodel. Uh, but now,
0: You know, Twiggy really fits her because she's kind of thuggin'. She's like a street
1: (laughs) street queen.
0: When you were starting out, did you get any pushback from anybody in your family? Did you have feeling pressure to go get a real job or anything like that?
1: No, not real pressure. My parents were really, really, really supportive and amazing. And I think they always realized I was a pretty creative person. And I think my dad believed in the fact that if I really put my mind to something, I could sort of accomplish it. And I think the only thing he ever said to me was like, I really think that you should be in sales. And I think you'd be an incredible salesman. That's like totally in in alignment with your personality. Which you Uh, have to be to... Totally. To run your own photography I mean, you do have to sell yourself. And you have to be confident enough to believe in what you're doing. Um, And sometimes you have to sell people on an idea. Like, this is the reason why this is a good idea. Or we really shouldn't do that. It's dangerous and here's the reason why. So you're sort of always trying to convince people of, of something. Um, and, and hopefully for the right reasons, but my dad said, you know, you really should be in sales. I think you'd be really, really successful. And he goes, man, everybody wants to be a photographer and you know, it's really hard to make money. He goes, but if anybody can figure that out, you can. So I got the, I got the blessing. How
0: cool. That's such a good, um, uh, he vote, also vote of confidence from your dad.
1: And he bought me a, a really nice film camera when I was in high school as a Christmas present. I'd been borrowing his camera so much that he, uh, finally bought me a camera mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, I'll never need another <laughs> camera besides this one ever again. It was a Nikon F100 film camera. And I was like, it's amazing. Now, of course, you know every year a new digital camera comes out and you have to get another camera.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like a lot of, uh, anybody who has a creative type for a parent, it's either one way or the other. It's like, you know, my dad was a photographer, so I was a photographer. Or, you know, my mom was an actor and she never wanted me to go through that. Terrible rejection. So, you know, she just told me I could never do it. I'm not allowed to do it. Yeah. Sometimes there's, you know, I want you to be a
1: doctor or a lawyer. You know, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of that. Um, You know, I want you to, you know, do something that's really upstanding in society. Mm -hmm. And, you know, making videos isn't one of them. But I think the weird thing is artists actually interact with every member and level of society. I mean, I work with people who own companies that are billionaires. You work with guys who are grips who are used to just smashing metal for a living mm-hmm. and you interact with so many different kinds of people I, I i think it's a really positive thing i think working in creative fields you end up i mean for me at least there is it's the only way you probably
0: interact with those sorts of people in your life what do you feel like photography is contributing because you just mentioned that you don't feel like it's in a upstanding you know, role in society.
1: No, I do, yeah, no, yeah I totally do. I, I think it is one, I think that it, inadvertently you end up interacting with the people that are, are the pillars of society, business owners and um, even models are super respected, actresses are super respected. Mm-hmm. If you're shooting for a car company, I mean, cars is like the foundation economy backbone that built this country. So there's a lot of things that, you know, a lot of people and companies and places that you interact with that you never normally would as a normal person photographer is going to give you access to worlds that are in a lot of ways above what a normal person would interact with. And I think that's actually really really cool. And I think photography especially now just with how our culture is operating and how businesses are operating like photography's in like a totally integrated part of business now. We're offering a a service that helps run companies and businesses. It's pretty hard these days to Like you
0: said earlier you're making money for these companies.
1: Yeah, or you're 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 a Your vehicle for investment. Absolutely. Or even sales, right? So, a lot of times we're taking pictures and those pictures are going to help sell a product. And so, just being a part of that is super important. I mean, it's hard to imagine now a business that is running that doesn't use photography. Real estate uses photography, restaurants and food, photography, cars, photography, fashion, sports, photography. I mean, actors, actresses, movies, movie posters, all this stuff is photography. So I think there's, you know, there's a tremendous value to doing photography. And I think also another thing that I really like about it is helping people who really wanna work in a creative field that would never normally be able to figure out how to work in a creative field. We're all working on photography together. Like you're hiring people who now their career is working in photography, which Mm -hmm. is helping them realize their dreams. And I think that's really cool too. That's one of my favorite parts do you feel like it's a grown-up job i think i think it's both and i think that's one of the reasons why i think it's really cool and interesting is you obviously have a business to run you have responsibilities you need to be on time you need to be on schedule you need to be on budget you need to manage a team you have to know how equipment works you have to book travel Um, you're dealing with high pressure situations you're spending clients money you're responsible for you know getting the shoot done but also, in a way, you still have to be creative, you still have to be open, you still have to be vulnerable, you have to work hard. I always say, oh yeah, photography's so, you know so glamorous while I'm laying down in the middle of the dirt in the desert trying to take a picture, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, or, or, or carrying
0: high rollers up the mountainside. Yeah, mountain side.
1: loading <laughs> gear and driving crappy trucks and rent cars and things like this. Um, so th- it keeps you humble. And also, I mean, just the creative part of it, messing with your boys, going on trips... Uh, that part still keeps you young, so still has a fun energy
0: to it that, you know, gives you a little bit of spark. Cool. Well, Luke, thank you so much. I can't thank you enough for being on here. I feel like um, I learned a lot. I hope the people listening learned a lot. I know you give them a lot of valuable information. And that is exactly why I'm doing this. So thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Are We Grown Ups Yet is sponsored by New Face Magazine. Check it out at newfacefashionmagazine.com. Are We Grown Ups Yet? is online everywhere. We are at www.arewegrownupsyet.com. Find us on Instagram and Facebook as well. Send me a message. Tell me what you're up to.